consider yourself resilient? And what does that even mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with Two for One, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them. And we go deep. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Kenneth Pinky Emery is a six-figure entrepreneur, owner of the award-winning Salon Pink, and a speaker and leadership mentor for team-based businesses. With over two decades of experience, Kittis is highly regarded for being a nationwide industry disruptor. Her ability to scale salons, build team engagement, and increase business efficiency has led Salon Pink in Bermuda to become one of the most recognizable salons in the country. And today's episode is packed with great insights and useful business concepts from Kittis, affectionately known as Pinky. We talked to her about the must-have and must-do things to have in place before attempting to scale your business and how to keep your confidence when you're in business for yourself. We talked about how she managed through the pandemic and how it changed her business model for the better and how to bring your 50% to the table so it counts for even more. We even talked about her morning routine to pour into yourself first. Kittis' energy and excitement for leadership is contagious. So let's get right to it. Okay, so we're excited today to be hosting Kittist Pinky Emery from Salon Pink as our resilient entrepreneur on the hot seat <laughs> to have a great chat with us about being a resilient entrepreneur because, hey, all of us entrepreneurs who have made it through COVID times certainly are resilient and we were just talking before the podcast about just that and how COVID has affected your business. And we're excited to get into that today and how you have gotten through it. Before we go there, let's go back a little bit in time and let's start with a nice, easy icebreaker question to get us going. So we'd love to ask you, what was your first ever job that you had and how old were you? I packed groceries at White Supermarket, which is up for Price Riders now, and I was 14. Nice, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when, when was your first like taste of entrepreneurship? I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Always. I always was a leader, always had my own mind, always did whatever I wanted. But my first business was Salon Pink. But I was always in leadership things, like in school, out of school. When I was in the UK in college here, when I worked, I was the head teacher at the hairdressing program at the college when I first started a couple of years back when I was employed at Bang Bang. So, But I, my first business is Salon Pink. Oh, wow. Okay. And how long have you had that business open for? 11 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank That's you. Amazing. <laughs> Woohoo. They say only 30% of entrepreneurs make it to 10 years in one business. Did you know that? That's a pretty big deal. Nope. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my accountant's always telling me to um, celebrate my small wins, but there you go. <laughs> it's a big win. Getting over a decade in business is a big win to celebrate. Yeah. Congratulations. Two years of a pandemic. Yeah. And how many staff do you have? 10 of us, I think it is, Wow! if I'm correct. I paid 10 people yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. So tell us about COVID, because we were just talking about that and how it's affected us. And you told us that you've actually had some really good years through COVID. Tell us about that. I did have some good years through COVID. COVID done my business very well. I took the time off to figure out, well, to kind of get centered and back to me. I knew that when COVID hit, I was like, 
okay, we're going to be fine, but what about our clients? And so I kind of emptied up my market in the best way I knew how and sent out YouTube videos and inspirational um, emails and had a 24-hour hotline for hairdressing and all the things. And I think that when we opened back up, the clients flew through the door. And I think that that was extremely helpful because we're so much more than just hair. And these clients spend money with us. They tell us their business, their lives. We go through the motions with them. We grow with them. And so it was really nice for some of them to just pick up the phone and call me. And clients that I've never even touched their hair that have supported our business, I talked to for two hours on the phone. And I do think throughout it, one of the components was the customer service and the marketing that people really related to. And some of my YouTube videos is pure entertainment for people, but some of them were extremely helpful. And then I think when I went back, I thought about all the business ideas that I had when I first opened that I didn't have the balls enough to do when I first opened because it was out of the norm. And that's what we done. So we opened up for 12 hours a day for six days a week. We stayed at shifts and gave the girls more balance because I think before COVID, everybody was exhausted. Staff, me, everybody was just exhausted. It was a nine to five. We were all there at the same time. It wasn't an efficient business model. And I think we made it work and our clients were happy, but we weren't happy. And so going back, we were able to fix all of that. And the girls were actually able to have some balance. Business went through the roof. Looking back, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast one day and they were like, Every all the clients came back with color correction. And I'm like, oh my God, they so did. Clients really got a good deal because they came back with color correction, but they got charged regular prices. And it was crazy when it all came down to it. But to be fair, it wasn't about the money. For us, it was about getting the clients in, making sure that they were looked after, making sure they were happy. We sold color kits throughout our time off and we created an online shop in our second lockdown. So clients were able to purchase products and things were just way more efficient. We always had an online booking system, so it's awesome. But I remember when the government announced what day we were open, we had to turn the online booking off because I would be talking to a client and, oh, you can have this button and we'll come online book. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I do think women realize the self-care aspect of things and realize that we were part of that. And we do really well in getting um, our clients to build us into their budget anyway. But after COVID, it really became a thing. And we are the ultimate out-of-work space. So clients were able to come to us. We opt out Wi-Fi. So they were able to come to us and do work. I had a client today in my chair who was on a call with other people. Obviously, she didn't have a camera on and she had her mic on mute, but she listened to the whole call and, you know, life went along and she had her hair done, so she killed two birds at one stand. That is fantastic, Kedist. And <laughs> the one thing I've often thought of about salons when it comes to business models is that you have that captive kind of customer service thing where yeah. as soon as you've finished having the service, you're booking in for your next service. Yeah. Is that true? Like, Or is that just a yes. perception that I have? It feels so, like that's the ideal business model, isn't it? It is the ideal business model, but sometimes it can be a little bit tough to track. So we've kind of taken the stance of the doctors and the dentist's office, but it's basically to take the pressure off of the client to have to think about it. It's like when we, they get to the front desk, it's like, right, these are the products we're using today. What would you like? This is your next appointment. Does this work for you? But we take notes so we know that Mrs. Smith likes to come on a Friday at 11. So her appointments are booked throughout the whole year for that so to make sure she gets that spot. And then we give hair miles for people who pre-book and those sorts of things as appreciation. So 
every client walks out the door with their next appointment book. And if they do, eventually they do because they get on the train and they realize, oh, wait a minute, that stylist is booked and I can't get in. And the other side of the spectrum is once a, a stylist is busy, it creates momentum with the clients and then they want that person more. So it's better for the stylist to be able to be booked out so that she can track her cash flow and understand what she's making because salons work on commission, right? So that we get, you know, it can kind of be regulated from their perspective as to what they're going to make. And then they become more in demand. When that happens and they get 75% booked out for like a three-month period, then we move their prices up or we move their commissions up. Like, so it's a lot of girls setting from the hairdresser's perspective as well, making the client's life much easier. And I really feel like there's some takeaways there for any business sector. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't have to be in the salon sector at all. I mean, no. it's about building the repetitive nature of the business and being customer centric so that you're reminding them, yes, you're getting the extra revenue from the return visit, but it's very much a great service to the client as well. Yeah. And I mean, in our industry and pretty much in a lot of industries that are customer based or repeat client is a retained client, right? And so making sure, I know a lot of times people focus on the new customer, but I do believe if you continue to focus on the customer you have, they will get you the new customer. And then once that new customer comes in the door, you can you know, make good of them as well. Oh yeah, I like what you just said there. Yeah, because customers do get you more customers because they become ambassadors for you. We often talk yeah. in our industry about brand ambassadors, right? It's about yeah. your brand. Your business is your brand. I mean, you are your brand because you're yeah. pinky. <laughs> People know you as pinky. <laughs> you know, Salon Pink, the connection is already there, but your customers are out there saying, oh, where'd you get your hair done? Oh, I got it done at, you know, Salon Pink. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, I got to, let me book. So that's how it all works. It's really important to be customer centric. And I think yeah. just about any business. So I love what you yeah. said there. Yeah. And also, I think from a leadership perspective, I think sometimes people miss that part. And as an entrepreneur, my leadership is what makes my business great. And it was half of the spectrum, put it that way. It's my 50. I'm a true believer that things go wrong or right with 50-50. So if you bring your 50 to the table and they bring their 50 to the table, then you have a winner, right? And so my 50, I always try to strive for more from an owner's perspective and a leadership perspective by helping my staff to meet their goals, setting them goals, realistic goals, like five to 10 year goals so that we have some longevity in the game as staff as well. In Bermuda, it's very corporate. So for these girls to be artistic, and come from an artistic background and people think that they have to give up once they're 35 and go get a corporate job. No, that's not the case. You can make what you want to make in our industry. And so that's where my leadership comes in and we set the goals and we have the accountability and the meetings and how are we going to do things differently? And okay, if this price, if this ticket item is too low, how can the assistance assist you so that we can get a higher ticket price in, but that low ticket price can still see you, but just not for the whole 30 minutes or whatever the case may be. Like we're constantly trying to figure out how to make things efficient. And I think that is a business thing, not just hairdressing. And um, leadership and efficiency for me go hand in hand. The minute something goes left, I'm like, how can we make this better? Let's get the system and process out. Let's go through it. Let's see 
where the loopholes are, how we can do things better. Like on Saturday at the salon, we were packed. And of course I was like, oh my God, yay, excited. But from an efficiency perspective, there was some breakdowns, right? So it was like, okay. So when we're at capacity, because we can be now, what else can we do? How can we get so and so forth? Do we need a third assistant? Do we need to bring that assistant on earlier? Like, how does this work? How can we make it better? Because ultimately makes the girls' lives easier, the customer experience better, and the reviews amazing. So it's like a knock on effect. And to me, leadership is really important. It's one thing that people don't realize when they go into business. It's like, I could have walked out of Bang Bang. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, a great hairdresser. I'll just go do hair. But I realized that, no, I'm now walking into a space where I have to lead a team and I have to be a great leader so that the team can have a great place to work and provide a great customer experience and we can have retained customers. Yeah. So what was that like in the beginning when you made that first move into having your own salon and you had to step into that leadership role? How was it for you? I did a lot of work figuring out what I had to do. And I realize now that I'm a bit of a visionary. Well, I am a visionary, but I did not have the confidence as a leader to do the things and to put myself in that space. I also didn't have the staff capacity to like not do hair. So in the beginning, I worked a lot. I have a son, but I didn't have a son back then. So I worked and just burned the midnight candle for the back end of things. I always had a manager. I always had someone on front desk. I knew that that was important. and. Once I had my son, I realized, okay, so I'm going to be away from the business and now what? And I realized that all the systems and processes that we were doing over the years that we now had to relook at and make sure they were okay and make sure they ran. And and I just had to walk away and I did and it worked. (laughs) But I think it's because I always knew from the beginning that the way my business was going to be able to scale, even though I didn't have the confidence to like sit in it, was through systems and processes. So the minute we opened, we documented. And now I'm grateful for that because now when we're looking at those things a second time round, or not even the second time, but the third time round, we we're updating things. I have the data and I have the notes. And now we're like adding decision trees to it so that if I'm not around, the girls know how this is done and that's done and what could possibly happen. And, you know, all of the things that I think people don't realize. And I know I say this coming from a place of a little bit of a privilege because my business has survived COVID, but I do think that all the things I'm talking about, they take a lot of work, a lot of brain power, a lot of energy. And I don't think business owners do it enough. And so now here we are and they're like, I have this failed business. But then when you have a conversation with them, you're like, well, have you done this and this and this and this, which could turn it around. And so sometimes like if, like if I would have just been starting that 11 years in, I probably would have been banging my head against the wall because it is a lot of work. Like I'm literally getting out of my head what the vision is for the business on a piece of paper and what I think and who I am to the business essentially. So it's so many things that, in the beginning, people don't realize could be set up like the ideal customer, the ideal staff member. What's your operations? What's your HR stuff? What's your policies for this? What's your policies for that? So like when people talk to me and they're setting up a business, those are the things I tell them to data dump. And like get it out of your brain, go onto Fiverr and get someone to make sense out of it, but get it out. Because if you're not around, then what's going to happen? Did you have 
have a mentor, Kiddest? Was there someone who you could lean on when you were starting out? Because you're 11 years in now, and this wisdom is, wow. I mean, it's so useful for people who are just starting out. Well, lucky for me, my mentors pay me to do their hair. <laughs> a lot of my clients are in leadership positions and or are entrepreneurs. I do believe my network is my network. And so I surround myself purposely with great people that are doing the things that I'm trying to do. But in the beginning, I knew I had to do these things because I was attached to the Bloomberg channel. And that was back when people used to watch TV, now we all stream. And I was attached to the Bloomberg channel. And one of the guys that I, I still remember his story to today is the guy who earned Jack Blue and how he was on a show called Risk Taker. And it was another one, I think it was like the Ralph Lauren guy who used to go around in the London 90s to interview him. And um, he was one of them. And I remember him talking about his systems and processes about his, you can go into a shop in France, in Paris, in London, in Italy, wherever. The shirts are folded the same. The staff will say the same thing to you. The employee handbook is huge. People like rules. They have something to work towards, like all those things. And so I remembered that. And I remember thinking, I can't own a business and work behind the chair for the whole time because what happens to me? I can't be the busiest stylist. I just can't. What happens when I take sick? Then what? What was the point? I might as well stay as an employee, <laughs> you know? And so for me, I was like, between that and another show I used to watch called Tab of the Salon Takeover, so much of that wisdom came up. And then my father-in-law and I have major conversations about this sort of thing. And he was a huge source of wealth for me to lean on over the years when I first started. And then coupled with all of that, like I said, I didn't have an official mentor and I actually still don't have an official mentor, but I get up every day and try to be my best me. And I get up every day and try to learn and do the right thing. And when you have the responsibility of staff, aside from myself, I am responsible for nine people's lives. And that's a huge responsibility to make sure that they're happy at work that they're getting paid fair wages, that they have great benefits. And to me, all of that can be done because of the things that I do at work. So that's kind of like my driving force, if that makes sense. But I don't really have an official mentor. I'm a podcast, audiobook, 1981 baby, Scorpio, can't tell me anything, go forward, not behind. And yeah, that's my story. I <laughs> uh, love it. And you know what? I think you are the mentor. I think you yeah. have become the mentor for so many yeah. people. You have yeah. others in business. I know that yes. about you. You you work yeah. with a lot of other entrepreneurs and giving them business advice. Like you've just yeah. given such a fire hose of amazing business advice. I, host, I hope everybody replays this and listens to it like three <laughs> times because what you've just said is so important about the systems, the processes, the surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, learning from others, absorbing it and, and sharing all that. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. So all of that, what do you think is like the best part of being an entrepreneur for you? What part of entrepreneurship do you love the most? I love making my girls, my staff, I love my team. I really do. We're actually in the process of adding to the team and they're all like, who's it going to be? Make the right decision, Pinky. And I'm like, because I really love my team, but I love helping people. And I love the fact that we live in Bermuda 
And these girls grew up where they thought they had to be lawyers and doctors and this and that and the other. But they were like, no, I want to be a hairdresser. And now their passion is a proper career. You know, they work, they get paid good money. They have great benefits. They will have pensions. Like, so to me, the fact that they do well makes me happy, makes my heart sing. The fact that they like to come to work, the fact that I am a boss who is very understanding and doesn't be like, well, no, this is, you only have two weeks vacation. You can't take any more. That's like, it's just ridiculous. But <laughs> I'm a compassionate leader. So when they're happy, I'm happy, you know? And I do think in the line of work that we do, we deal with a lot of happy people every day and that makes it, makes it better. And I think the efficiency from the back end that I work really hard to make sure it is up to par, helps with that, flows over to the customer experience, flows over to the employee experience. And I mean, I learned over the years, I, I mean, I, I haven't always been the boss I am today. <laughs> I've learned to seek to understand, to listen, to meet my girls in the middle, to figure out their backgrounds and where they're coming from, to realize it's not about me. And it's a selfless act. I've realized a lot of things over the years, but I go into work every day and being able to help them make them dream, their dreams come true is, is truly what I love. Yeah, we've always said that business brings out the best in you and brings out the worst in you. And it's also like the best psychologist. You can learn so much about yourself by being in business for yourself. Is that true? I feel like for me, it's been business and being a mom. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Right? They're both your baby, I suppose. But yes, it has definitely brought out the best in me. I remember I used to meet my girlfriend in town at five o'clock in the morning and go for a walk because that's what entrepreneurs do (laughs) when it's quiet. And we were walking and we were talking and I was going through the motions of, you know, my reflection on my leadership. And I stopped and I was like, oh my God, every single last one of my staff is of the past me. And was like you think and of course it's you know confidentiality so I can't tell her about my staff but we were talking about leadership stuff and I was like absolutely that 100% they are all a reflection of some part of me good bad and ugly right and once I realized that I was like you got to change this girl and you you're the leader you've got to level up you've got to do differently you've got to be better and I realized that you know you're surrounding yourself with the old you, but you need to help level these girls up, surround yourself with yourself with the new you and new and improve them. And what does that mean? And that was one of the times that I realized, okay, so I have to go to work every day and put my best 50 feet forward. And I also have to get up earlier and pour into me first because I can't give them what I don't have. And I realized that my strength and my leadership is my superpower. And it's up to me to figure me out before I get to work. And so with that being said, I'm up every morning at 4.45. I work out, I journal, I meditate. I have my cup of coffee. I play with my dogs, get on with life. But it's the best. When I don't do those things, I'm a mess. I'm a total mess. I get to work and I'm like, oh my God, what did she want today? <laughs> so it's, Yeah. <laughs> 
I like that. And I think that's more good advice. Pour into yourself first. They say most super high level CEO entrepreneurs, those multimillionaires, they all have a morning routine. That morning routine. Oh, yeah. Really. My morning routine even consists of having a cold shower every morning. I do that too. I just started that this year. A cold shower. It's game changing. It's a game changer. Even sometimes when I'm like, not today. And I put the warm and I'm like, and I put the cold shower on. Like it's, it literally is a game changer. And now a nighttime routine, like we, I've gotten so busy. My plate is so busy. I have lots of things going on outside of the salon that I have to, I have to, my phone's on silent. My friends and family don't see me, but if they meet me, I'm there. And I just, I move forward. I just move forward. Just got to stay organized. Yeah. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot. Oh of yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. Um, yes. I don't want to dwell too much on negative, but it is interesting to always ask entrepreneurs, especially ones who have been in business as long as you, like what were your more difficult times? Any failures along the way that you learned and grew of from? Of course. Everyone has Scorpio. I learned everything the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, is there one you want to share, like something that yes. really made when you When I to... first opened, I knew I needed an accountant. So I had hired an accountant. The first thing I tell um, entrepreneurs when I talk to them, like, get set an accountant. When you start trading money, get an accountant. Like, well, I just bought an eraser. Get an accountant. It's for the business. Anyway, so I had this accountant I wasn't exactly happy with. Things weren't working out. And I was like, I could do this. It's not that hard. QuickBooks is accounted for dummies. I'm a dummy. It can work. I'm not an accountant. It's fine. And I literally, I call it the CEO, but it was the chief everything officer. And I realized I was doing nothing. Everything was going left in that office. I was bringing the revenue in, but everything was going left in the office. Things were getting behind. Things were getting, like, it was just a mess. And I realized, okay, you need to go find yourself an accountant. And God bless her soul. She pulled us out of the reins and made it happen. And it was one of the things that I was like, okay, being the operator is no longer going to serve you. You've brought the business through the door. You have a team you're happy with. You've got a team that you're growing. You need to scale it back and get in the office and make things better. Fortunately for me, the revenue kept growing. It never went down <laughs> and cash flow got better and we were good. But in thinking that I could do it all was definitely a wrong move. But I think it was I, I, I'm a girl that likes to look at my cup half full, not half empty. And I think it was relevant because I do think a lot of the things that were done, that we done in the background at that time, an MBA would have never taught me the school of hard knocks. And I'm ever grateful for those lessons for sure. Talking about lessons, Kittis, if you were to jump in a time capsule, go back, say 20 years, Knowing what you know now, what would you tell your former well, considering self? Considering I'm only 21. Only well, exactly. <laughs> what Just would pretend. I tell my former, yeah, what would I tell my former self? I would tell myself to invest my money in my 20s. And that's a big one. And I would also tell myself, knowing what I know now, I would have just opened up a salon immediately. I would have opened up a business right away. I would not have gone to work for someone else. Pretty clear on that. So you would have learned the lessons under your own well, I just think as a as a business owner, you just need to understand your industry. I did that. I went to school. I worked in the UK. I totally understood the industry. I just think you need to be a good leader. And I feel like I wasn't a great leader back then, but I felt like I had leadership qualities and a lot of things I had figured out early. However, I try not to dwell 
on where I'm meant to be. I started the business when I was supposed to, but words, one thing I do know was where to have power. I always said I was going to have a business at 30. I said I would have my kid at 33. And I, I didn't realize that until the things happened. I even said when the business, when I decided I was going to open the business, well, it was a couple of years before the building we're in, I was like, they knocked it down and they built a new one. I'm like, my shop's going to go there. And life went along. Detachment, right? Seven, what's it? Seven laws of spiritual success. Detached from the outcome. My life went along. January 2011 came around. I said I was going to open up this business, done all the work, looking for the spaces, looked everywhere for a space. And in actual fact, some of the spaces I looked at have hair salons today. And they were all like, nope, don't, not having a hair salon, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, fine. And then a friend of mine was like, she worked at Deloitte and she was like, have a look at that space over there. I'm like, girl, I don't want that space, blah, blah, blah. So my mom was like, they still have that thing in the window, you should look. And anyway, long story short, I got the space. And when I did, and I was sitting in it one day, I was like, oh my God, you did say you were going to have a salon here. Like you said it. And so I do believe that words have power and care what you ask for. I think if it's your purpose, it's your purpose, right? It's like you can't sway from your purpose. And I think in a lot of times I'm realizing like, yes, I own a hair salon, but business is business and leaders are leaders and leadership is leadership. And if you surround yourself by the right people, you're on that road. You know, some of my clients are heads of reinsurance companies, huge corporations. We have amazing conversations. We can relate. We're both in leadership. I think my leadership is a little bit different because there's a monkey on my back. <laughs> Whereas I think if you work for a corporation, it's a different story yet, right? Because you get paid to stay or you get paid to leave. And so it figures itself out. But I think if you're in leadership or business, you shouldn't, don't worry about the boundaries. It's a job or a task. And if that's your purpose, then that's what it's going to be. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to speak in anything into existence for you, but if we oh. don't see you on a stage in front of hundreds of people doing the inspirational talks of like this on a much bigger, I'll be surprised. So oh, yeah, thank no, you. Um, amazing and such amazing business advice and thank applicable you. to, like Nikki said earlier, any business, every business. Yeah. You said today, really, I think well, I was always like, I, I think once I realized in business that like, but wait a minute, what I do is just business. It happens to be hairdressing. But I mean, ultimately, when I think I'm a mentor at Ignite, I don't mentor anybody in hairdressing. Like the people I've mentored have come from different backgrounds of business. And at the end of the day, it's business, right? There's revenue, these expenses, there's a profit in the middle, and you've got to figure out how to either grow it or not. Absolutely. You know? And leading your business through the things, through your purpose of people, or whatever the case may be, it's still business. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> hey, what are you speaking into existence next? I want. Oh, girl, I have lots. I can't tell you, but I have lots. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to find out. I, I remember, I actually remember when you opened up into that space, and I thought that is a cool space, and you've made it even cooler, you know? So it's yeah. fantastic. Good. Yeah. So we, we finished with one final question What does resilience mean to you? Someone told me something the end of the day was like, forward ever, backwards never. And that is it. That is it. And I'm a really, really strong believer that everything is happening for me, not to me, for one reason or the other. I am a child of the universe and they teach you lessons and you don't listen, you don't listen, but it comes in all forms. And I'm also a true believer of this too shall pass. 
Thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 2for1branding.com.